Thanks for joining us for today's message. We are always so encouraged to hear how God is working through this ministry to change lives. If you have a story to share about how God has worked in your life, then let us know by sending us an email to mystory@timberlakechurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by giving online at timberlakechurch.com give. Enjoy the message. You are ready for uh, Thanksgiving and are going to have a good one. Uh, we all know it can be there can be joys and challenges. In fact, uh, came across some of these when I typed in uh, what can go wrong on Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope your turkey doesn't look like this one here. Yeah. And then the, th- this one is uh, this just confirms cat there looking a little hungry. And, and then now this one. Uh, is, I don't know, I think it looks like child abuse, the baby. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Th- that kid's going to be in therapy and never know why. That, uh, and then this is another one, you know, finally. Yeah, with our baby there, worried, another traumatized child. Now, I, I got to tell you, I was a little worried on Saturday night. They didn't know what was wrong with the sign. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's sort of a great service for us. Well, uh, I'm Ben. I'm the lead pastor, and I'm wrapping up a series called A Hope in a Future. Here, here's the thing. I, I knew coming into uh, the election season in particular, and this is not about politics, uh, but that too many people, they were putting their hope in the wrong place. And, and, and just when we put our hope in the wrong place, it'll fail us. God says he has a hope in a future for us. And you may or may not believe that, but it's true if you'll step into it. And that my goal has been that you would step into God's hope and God's future for you. In fact, the context uh, in in which this is given uh, is a time of trouble, the verse that we're going to look at. It's a time where the nation of Israel had been in captivity to the Babylonians. They'd been defeated. There are some people who said it'd never get better. There's other people who'd say, uh, uh, false prophets, oh, it's just not a big deal. And then there's a realistic hope where God sends his, uh, his prophet Jeremiah, and God says, yeah, you're going to go through this, but this will not define you. And at the end of that, uh, God says this verse, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11. We've been reading it each week. I know some of you, uh, you know, a little reticent, but I want you to read with me together. Hopefully you'll memorize this one. Jeremiah 29, 11. Ready, set, read. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now, you guys don't sound like you believe that yet. So... Uh, And this is the last service, so I can preach as long as it takes uh, for you to get this one down. Uh, You know, there's a survey done of people who attend church, 100,000 people, and they were asked, what do you want more of at church? Or what do you want to be, uh, what do you want to see different? And and I thought it would be, oh, I want the music to be louder or softer, or, you know, I'd really love sermons to be a lot longer. (laughs) No, no one ever said that, ever. So, uh, uh, you know what the number one answer was? Uh, people say, I really want to be challenged a little bit more. And if, if you feel that way, then today you're going to really like this message. Because as we've been looking at each part of this verse and, and, and going through it, we're going to look at the part, yeah, a hope and a future, God's promise. But we're going to look at what does that mean? How do I respond to God's promise? Have you noticed that people can go through the same experience and respond so differently? 
There will be people who will be defeated by a negative circumstance and other people, they will use that as a springboard to really their best life. Well, we see this a bit in a scripture where Jesus encounters a group of people who had leprosy. I'm going to go through this a little bit, uh, verse by verse. And so keep your outlines there. You can look up. We'll, we'll have it on the screen uh, as well. It, it starts this way. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. Now, we hear that and we're like, okay, those are like two old countries that don't really exist anymore. It would be now what is primarily uh, called Israel in, in the West Bank area. Well, when you would hear, when people would hear Galilee and Samaria, they would hear Galilee, good people, Samaritan, bad people. These were people who were irreligious. I, I mean, they were uh, ungodly. They were like, uh, I don't know, they were, they, they would do uh, terrible things and they were uh, people who tried to destroy the, uh, the nation of Israel I mean think of them something like think of them like a patriot fan that's what you need to think of <laughs> you know almost irredeemable you know <laughs> no, I'm sorry I'm really sorry for you after last week by the way uh, but you know, there are people who who they could never believe that God could work in their life and, and so, so let, let's check this out because that's going to become important says, as he was going to the village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice. Now, there's a very specific reason this would happen, because if you had leprosy, you couldn't be around other people, and they could defend themselves by killing you if you came too close. They'd throw rocks at you. And so uh, someone who had leprosy would never get close to someone who didn't. They would spend their life in isolation. In fact, uh, we have ministry around the world part of it in india we work with uh people who live in uh and suffer with leprosy i've had the opportunity to go personally and be there we've built a church for people with leprosy we've built a lot of churches over in india among tribal people probably the nicest one we ever built but when you see people who have to ride in the back of a truck because no one will put them in a car you realize this is today with modern medicine and back in that day, it would be utter isolation and desperation. They feel like they have no hope and no future. But they knew that something was different about Jesus. And so they say, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. They knew Jesus had, had healed people, that he had, was a friend of uh, uh, tax collectors, uh, prostitutes, sinners, people on the outside, people who were marginalized. And so in that, they come to Jesus because they say, maybe there's hope for me. I don't even know if they believed it fully, but they were willing to take a risk. And, and spiritually, if you will take that risk of just saying, God, with the little faith I have, I'm going to put it in you, miracles happen. We see that quite literally a, a miracle happened in this point. It says, when he saw them, he said, show yourselves to the priests, and they went and they were cleansed. And they, they experienced that miracle. By the way, uh, for those of you who are skeptical of miracles, uh, it's basically because you probably have a false premise about them. Your premise is everything has to be uh, repeatable, like you would have in a scientific experiment. Uh, well, a miracle is a break in nature. It's the, uh, the power of God coming into our natural world, the supernatural coming into the natural and for that moment doing something that naturally wouldn't have happened. So by definition, 
uh, it's something that we aren't going to see unless God shows up. Well, that happens for them. And then now look at the response. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was who? He was a Samaritan. He was one of those people on the outside. It was a, the least likely person was the person who came back. Every once in a while, people say to me, oh, you know, so-and-so, he's not quite a Christ follower yet, but, you know, he's still a good church person and tries to be a good person and all that. He's really, really close. If that's you, uh, I'm not judging you in any way, but just from my experience, I would say you're probably very far from God because you think I'm doing the right things to where God will love me. If you're at the point where you came in, maybe you came today, you came for a child dedication, you said, man, they invited me for this child dedication, and I thought if I came to church, the walls would fall in. <laughs> well, we did too. So, no, <laughs> the, uh, But if that's you, you're super close to having God work in your life in a powerful way because you recognize your need for him. And once you recognize your need, it releases God's power to work in your life. So he threw himself at uh, Jesus' feet, it said. said uh, Jesus asked, we're not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, and your faith has made you well. Now, I, I want you to notice uh, that, that this man had already been physically healed. So what is Jesus talking about? Uh, was he referring to the previous healing? Possibly, but it doesn't necessarily seem so. There's a little conjecture here. Maybe God was doing something else, and there was that, that other miracle that was taking place in his life. The miracle the other nine would never know about. You know why? Because they never came back. Because they never responded. See, here's a key reality in this that, that we take away this, is that I'm blessed. And, and blessed is sort of a religious term, but I couldn't think of a, another term that would better describe the, the blessings that God has given us in life. Here's a problem. Often we don't feel blessed because we have comparison, we, maybe to something we used to have or some, someone else had or that you know, they have a, a, a spouse or a boyfriend and you're saying, hey, that would be great, or uh, money. Uh, that you don't have. There was a study done by the Gates Foundation, and uh, it was a literal study. For people who had at least $25 million, uh, the average was $78 million, or the median was $78 million. And the article based on that study was called The Joys and Dilemma of Wealth. Uh, and so I don't know what the dilemma is. I wasn't asked to be part of this study. Uh, <laughs> but I'm open. I just want the Lord to know that. So the, uh, uh, I, would, I would suffer under that dilemma. Uh, so, so they were asked... And guess what? They found most of the people were discontent. Here's the thing that I thought was interesting. Most were discontent financially. Most of them said that they would have to have 25% more money to be content. One person, now, now this, this, I found this interesting. One respondent, an heir to an enormous fortune, said that what matters most to him is, is Christian, his Christianity, which is great. And that his greatest aspiration is to love the Lord my family, and my friends. Great, great aspirations. He also reports he wouldn't feel financially secure until he had at least $1 billion. Now, how many of you would like to join me in slapping him? Uh, yeah. Because what are you saying? You're saying this for, what? That's foolish. I mean, come on, are you kidding? How ungrateful are you? How ridiculous is that? 
And then I think, oh yeah, I can be like that. Not with a billion, minus a billion dollars, but uh, I can be like that too. There, there was a, back in 1890, they did a survey, what are the basic things you need to survive? Uh, came back with 16 things. Did it recently, same question, 98 things. See, it's always a moving target because we're always comparing we're not saying God, we're not responding to what God has given us. You know what happens is usually what happens is we face a, a situation and then our perspective on how blessed we are in life uh, comes into focus. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I got a call. I'm at home and I went home for lunch, got a call. Fall City Fire Department, uh, we're, we're coming, we're responding, just want to confirm the address, gave the address and I said, hey, it was on Issaquah Falls City Road. I said, hey, I'm not there. Uh, and they're like, well, this is a number that was uh, given. And I'm like, well, it must not be me, so I'm sort of confused. And then I asked a question. I said, hey, what, uh, what was the situation? And they said, we don't know, uh, but it was a 17-year-old girl. And my youngest daughter is 17. And so I am like, right, I didn't even say goodbye, see you later. I hung up. I run to the car, I had the address, I was driving there. As I'm thinking about it, I try to call my daughter, she doesn't pick up from the phone, and then I'm like, you know, what do I do? Do I, you know, pray, connect? I, okay, I'll try to text her, and so I, I text her, you okay? I don't get a response, I just go out of the driveway, I'm texting and driving, which you shouldn't do, and I go out of the driveway, and I'm just like speeding, and then I hear that ping on my phone, and I get that text that would warm any father's heart, is like, uh, yeah, what do you want? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you. I never had such a warm feeling in my heart. So I, uh, so I go back in the driveway. My daughter, uh, you know, as, as any senior in high school, you know, she comes home and she loves big displays of affection. So I give her a big hug and kiss her. And she's like, what's wrong, Dad? And, and I tell her. And she didn't know this, that at that moment, she could have asked for anything in the world. <laughs> and I would have given it to her. But that moment has passed. And so the, <laughs> because I just... I just realized, I wasn't thinking about the fact that I have a, a leak in my roof, which I really do, or, uh, or other things, and all the prob, I was, see, there's so many things, I just realized how blessed I am with my daughter. And, you know, as I've said this every service, every single service this weekend, I've looked out, and I've seen a family that I know who's lost a child, and I know the pain that accompanies that. I know when uh, we thought we were going to lose her when she was in the hospital for 35 days at Children's Hospital and getting sicker every day and they didn't know why it was sort of an error that had taken place during a surgery and I remember thinking oh God if you'd heal her and, and what happened is uh, they found out what went wrong and she was better and I was so thankful and I remembered that but you know what for a moment and then I started to wander away and then, see this is what happened I don't think that you're a bunch of bad people or we're bad people and you're a bunch of ingrates. I just think that we lose perspective and because of that, we never really step into what God has for us, that blessing, and also we don't honor God the way we should. So here's a question. What's a meaningful response to God's work in my life? 
what is a meaningful response? I'm going to suggest five things that we find in the Scripture again and again. These are uh, right there in the Bible. And if you say, hey, I want to respond to God, do these five things. These are five things that are, are there that every, everyone who said yes to Jesus should do. And if you haven't said yes to Jesus, you'll find out what this means to respond to God. First is to honor God in worship. This is the first thing we find in the Bible. And you're already in church, so A, you get an A for today. Uh, but uh, this is our time with God, yeah, our private individual time with God. But most of the time in the Bible when it talks about worship, it's actually talking about what we're doing together. That we respond to God, that when we sing the songs, we let those words not just be a performance, but they're a prayer, uh, our prayer to God. Now, I know some of you don't even know we have music. If you show up just a little bit earlier, uh, yeah, we have every week, believe it or not, we do have music. So, uh, so, so when we pray to God, and it's just like it says 14 times in the Bible, it says, lift holy hands to the Lord. That's not, as I said, it's not, uh, you know, not spiritual, getting spiritual, super spiritual. It's just that posture of openness. And I'm not trying to manipulate you to do something you're uncomfortable with, but there's something, our physical posture can represent our heart. And so what would that look like? In the scripture, it says this. In Psalm 100, uh, uh, we're, we're told this. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people. And then uh, a second way that is we're told again and again in the scripture is to share my God story. We all have a God story. Maybe you have an emerging God story that you haven't stepped into yet. Where, where you went from this sort of believing in God or not believing in God to knowing that there's a God who wants to meet you in this moment. And this is not just uh, based on a, a good feeling. It's based on what we find, scripture and history. We're going to Israel and we're going to visit the places. Uh, you can, the historical, archaeological evidence, real people. Christianity is very different than a lot of religions and worldviews is it's not based in a philosophy, it's event-based in things that happened in history. The central one being the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We, we're given this in the scripture, 1 Peter 3.15. But in our, your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks for the reason for the hope that you have. And you might you say, hey, I'm not much of a Bible person. That's okay, but, but as we, you know, heading next January, and we do our, we have a theological foundations class, man, in, in eight weeks, you're going to get what, that reasoning for your faith, it's going to strengthen your faith and help you to ex explain it to others, but then it also says, but do this with gentleness and respect. If ever we are sort of making a point, as I say, not making a difference, and we're not gentle and respectful, we're not doing it the Jesus way. Because Jesus said, go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Part of that is just sharing your story. I was with my growth group on Wednesday, uh, and we were sharing with guys around the table just sort of what our God story is. Some people raised in great godly homes and responded to God at a young age, and, and others of us not really had much Jesus in our background, and, and we told our stories, and our strength was faith. Uh, our, our faith was strengthened and also it's just something happens uh, to others when we hear that as well now do it as, a, as appropriate and maybe for you say Ben I'm just I, I'm an introvert I can't even talk to people 
then, then I would say uh, invite a friend to church. Uh, I, I would say I promise not to embarrass you, but sometimes I embarrass myself. <laughs> the, uh, but we won't embarrass them. And then just, just say, hey, you know, this is why. This is this why I come. Because I, I, I really believe God is real. I don't have all the answers, but this is how God has met me in my life. And then we, we're called to pay it forward. Uh, we're, when it comes to the actions, last week we talked about how good Deeds leads to goodwill and then an opening for the good news. Jesus talked about this again and again to his own followers and really through that to us today. He says, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. And uh, later on, his disciples say, well, we never saw you, you know, without clothes or in prison. He said, whenever you did this for the least of these, you've done it for me. We don't earn God's favor through good works. I, I've said this before. I say it all the time. The whole good works makes, it makes up for my past and allows God to accept me. It just philosophically, it just, it's just nonsensical. But if someone's done something great for you, what do you want to do? You want to respond. And, and Jesus says the way we respond is we are his hands and feet in the world. And as a church, we believe that. We, we don't do it just uh, you know, to be uh, Seattle cool, all the, the ministry around the world, the missions trips, the orphanages, the ministry to homeless, all of that. We do that because it's what Jesus has called us to do. And maybe for you, it's just going across the street. It's nothing that'll ever show up on a, any orga, organized deal. Andy Stanley uh, said this, great author and pastor. He says, do for the one what you wish you could do for everyone. And that's one of the ways we respond to God. And I just want to say thank you as, as, as a church, just for you doing that for you responding. This is this year, you know, in the last years, we've been able to invest more in God's kingdom resources around the world and in this community uh, than ever before. Probably in the last four years, more than the first 25 combined. And that's because you're faithful uh, in not only serving, but with your finances as well. Pe people will get this, well, when's the special missions off? We don't have that. It's just because... Uh, is you just give faithfully, then ministry happens. And that leads to number four, is to reinvest in God's work. Uh, Jesus uh, talked about money a lot in the Bible, and contrary to some belief, he, he didn't talk about it as a bad thing. He said the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. But it is, money is not bad, it's a neutral thing. It's what we do with it. But Jesus made this observation. He says, where your money is, your heart will be also. Uh, and, and in fact, we'll go ahead and uh, skip, if we can, a little bit to the Deuteronomy passage. It says this about giving and tithing. It says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always put God first in your life. It's about our heart uh, that, that we do that. So a lot of when people talk about giving, there's a lot of manipulation, and, and you, you know, see that commercial? I, I, the one that always gets me is the abused animals. 
and like the song in the, I think it's Melissa Etheridge or something is in the background. It's like, you know, it's like, oh, I want to write a check for that puppy can live. And I just think that's manipulation. And, and I, I think manipulation is not from God. But I think obedience honors God. You see what I'm, I'm getting? There's a difference there. Obedience says, I recognize what you've done for me. And so, God, I'm going to respond. I'll tell you what, God, there's so many cool things with our ministries in the church, outside the church. Man, we could have you snotting it up and crying every Sunday. <laughs> but uh, the, it was an ugly picture. No, the, but what I want you to do is to honor God and respond to him. Honor and do that. So we went through this initiative last fall. Not a special offering. We don't do special offerings. But uh, so it, one million reasons where we asked, hey, would you just go to your next step? Take your next right step in your giving. So if you've been here for about a year, you probably haven't really ever heard me talk about this at all. Uh, and because we did for about five weeks, we dug deep into it. And in that, uh, you responded. And we were able to plant two new campuses uh, because of that, we were able to give $100,000 to help expand Acres of Diamonds, our ministry for uh, transitional housing for homeless women and children. We were able to uh, invest in our leadership college and get housing for the students who are really want to become next generation Christian leaders and want to say thank you for that. And just keep that up. There are about three or 400 of you that responded specifically to that, more in the church who were already pretty faithfully giving. And uh, here, here's, just, just to let you know, this is what we use this tool. It was called the giving ladder. And the idea is this, is to not feel guilty about what you're not doing. Because guilt, uh, guilt will make you miserable and won't help anyone. I'm just saying be intentional. So if you say, I've never given before, Ben, I feel bad. I've come here every week. I've eaten like 40 donuts and never paid for one. Uh, well, one, don't eat so many donuts. So the, uh, uh, and my kids, they even spilt some on the carpet. Oh, no. I owe you a lot. No, don't, don't feel guilty, okay? Do respond. So I say, I'm going to become a first-time giver. You know, and maybe for you, it'll be significant. You're, uh, we've had that in someone's first, first checks. It's like a big, uh, a big check. And you say, I'm going to do that. Maybe it's little, but you say, I'm going to do that. Now, after that, I think for, if you're a Christ follower, here's what, and, and even if you don't go to this church, go ahead and leave this church and do this at your next church, is be an intentional giver. Do that wherever you worship. That is so important. Jesus, God talks more about being first than even amount. So the first thing you do is say, so you say, hey, when I get paid, I'm going to write a check, or actually, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know what checks are anymore, but uh, bill pay uh, to the Lord. That's what I do. I do mine on automatic bill pay because regardless of what people say about pastors, it's not like I get a cut of the offering. You know, Ben's talking about giving. He must need a new car. You know, <laughs> uh, no, I know what I'm going to get paid every two weeks. And so I give my first and best to the Lord. And so that, that's what I always uh, do. And then there's tithing. Now, when I became a Christian, this is where we just started. So I started tithing uh, when uh, I got uh, saved. I was a Christian at 16. I started tithing right away on my busboy's salary. And uh, so just first 10% of the Lord. Some of you are like, oh, that seems like a huge step. It is. It's a faith step. And uh, the, only, the only people, by the way, I've ever, who, when I talk about this, because we talk about it in sort of conversational way, are the only people who it ever bothers are long-term people who would say, I'm a religious person or a church person who have been disobedient. Only people who ever get mad. 
And what that is, is God saying to you, hey, take that next step. And then there's extravagant. People give above their tithe. Now, it doesn't say amount. It just says, hey, uh, I'm going to give. And that can be ministries here at Timberlake and beyond as well. I just say, find yourself on that and say, what's my next step? And uh, take it, what, what a better time during this Christmas season. Uh, and then say, God, I'm going to get in the habit of putting you first financially. And, and this, is, this is not, by the way, this is not to earn God's favor. I am not a prosperity gospel kind, you know, make Jesus your choice and you'll drive a Rolls Royce. I don't believe that at all. Uh, but I, I, I do believe that there's this responding to God. Look at what, what uh, Jesus said in Luke uh, chapter 6 as he talks about this aspect in our life. He says, Give it and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. See, here's the problem. Is some people only use that financially. Now, people put God first in their finances. Usually their finances get in better order. And I've seen people, yes, even do well and prosper that way. But it's not just financial. In fact, maybe it's going to be something totally different. That we get to see God work because we take a step of faith. And then finally, number five, never forget what Jesus has done for me. There's the discipline of remembering. Remember how I told you how uh, that can be hard for me and, and I've recognized God powerfully work in my life and I just sort of forgot? And so we're called again and again to remember what Jesus has done. And we do that. Last week, we had about 40 people on our campuses get baptized. That's one of those big steps. We're going to receive communion in a moment. And we're told through that act of remembrance that we remember what's really important. And I know that some of you, you might be here and you might think, uh, Ben, that sounds great, but I don't feel like I have much to remember. I'm at the end of my rope and I just don't want to live this way anymore. The good news is God doesn't want you to live that way either. God doesn't want you to live in despair. He wants you to live with hope. He wants you to radically trust him. And in that, as you call out to Jesus, don't discount that God would work a miracle in your heart and your life today. You see, the funny thing is, the person who was most blessed in that story was the outsider in every way. But the one thing he did right is he came to Jesus and came back to Jesus. And maybe for you, that's exactly what God wants for you today. See, it's not what God wants from you. It's what God wants for you. And so as we receive communion together, uh, will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for each and every person here. God, I pray for I pray for my friends who, who are maybe on the edge when it comes to this whole faith thing. And if that's you and, and you say, Ben, I'm, you know, I'm really not a Christ follower. I'd like to be. I'd like to know God the way you talk about him. That you can. You can because not of what you have done, but what Jesus has done on your behalf. Jesus prepared a way. He went to the cross that we would be forgiven, that we would be free. 
And it's just you're responding to that. In fact, if you want to respond to that right now, we're not, we don't have you come forward or take you to a special room, but in this moment, you do business with God and you pray to God something like this. You pray silently, I'll pray out loud. You say something like this, God, I thank you that you love me. God, I thank you that you've given your son Jesus for me, that, that I can be forgiven and freed. And God, I don't make light of my own sin or failures. But God, I also know I wasn't made to live in them. And that's why you sent your son. And so God, I say yes to you uh, again, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time. And I want you to be the leader and Lord of my life. And the scripture says when we invite Jesus into our life, that our reality has changed. That in this life and in the next, that God is going to walk with you every day. No matter what you're going through, you'll never go through it alone. Scripture also says that when we have invited Jesus into our life, that, that we step into that eternal reality. And heaven is, is a real place. It's not something someone made up to make you feel better about someone who died. It's a place that God has prepared for you in me. We don't know that everything it'll be like, but we know that Jesus will be there. And we know what won't be there. There won't be pain. There won't be sorrow. There won't be loss. There won't be discouragement or doubts. That it'll change as we're in his presence. And that's what you're created for. God, I thank you for my friends who are here today and some saying yes to you for the very first time and God I want to help them remember this moment the Bible says our decision is, is a personal yet not a private one and so here's what we do here is to help you take a step to go public just for the, a first little step with everyone's eyes closed and head bowed even up on stage but if you say I, I said yes to Jesus today I want to let you to, to go public without embarrassing you so everyone else's eyes closed and head bowed but if you say Ben I prayed that prayer with you today will you simply look up at me I'm going to look to my right and uh, your left and you just let your eyes meet mine that's great as an indication of that okay anyone else that's great and in the center section you say that's me too that's me I said yes alright awesome 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 and over to my, towards my left that's you you'd say that was my prayer today great Great. And up in the balcony. God, I just thank you for my friends and who are choosing you today. Lord, we love you and we remember. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Timberlake Church Podcast. Stay connected with us by visiting TimberlakeChurch.com or follow us on Twitter or Facebook.